This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. So when I, when I leave and I'm not here, I, I'm honest with you, I absolutely miss our corporate time of worship. It is a blessing to be here with you. It's a time where we can get together in one location and lift up the name of Jesus. It's imperative. Uh, if you're new to our church, one of the reasons we don't have a, an hour and a half kids' church is that we want our kids to see the adults, their parents, their parents' friends worship Jesus. So it's imperative. We, uh, that's just our philosophy. We want them to be part of the church. Um, last week, we had one of our, our babies in, in the church made a big noise. We, we don't care. We, we think that's a wonderful noise. That is a noise unto the Lord. Uh, the opposite is no baby noise, and we wouldn't want that. And so, again, I just love being part of our church. I love being part of organized worship. I've been, like I said, I go to these events, and I'm part of these large gatherings of worship. But I believe that we struggle, and I struggle, uh, as well as that we, we kind of limit the concept of worship to Sunday mornings. So typically, when I looked up this graphic, uh, worship wars has to do with, you know, some churches sing traditionals and, and some sing, you know, current courses or, or gospel or black gospel, all those things. And it's funny, I didn't know there really was a worship war out there. And I guess some churches really struggle with what type of music is going to be sung. And especially if you have a multi-generational church. I know that's hard for my mom when she goes to church in her home church. A new, a new worship pastor comes in and he brings a whole new song. She doesn't know any of it. And she really has a hard time. That's not what we're talking about today, all right? Because none of us struggle with that. Uh, I'm talking about what is worship? What is worship? Usually when we think of worship, we think that it's on Sunday mornings, what we just did with the band playing, and that is worship. Uh, and then, you know, we stand or we sit and we, and we sing, and, or we do that on a Wednesday night or in our small groups, and we do that, and we consider that worship. And I would challenge you and me that we need to redefine or broaden our understanding of what worship is. A lot of times we think worship is an activity, but as believers, it's our identity, so you think, and I think at times, worship is something I do. You know, we lift our hands, we sing our voices, and that is part of worship, but really what we need is a new concept of understanding that worship is not just an activity that we do, but it is our, our identity. Joanne uh, so eloquently sang and, and mentioned that we were created to worship. We are all worshipers. Amen? We were made in his image, and we were made to worship God. And so this morning, I have no clue whether you raise your hand, sang, sit. Or I have no clue. I sit in front. I face forward. Back in the old building, I used to cheat a little bit and look off the reflection and see you guys, okay? But I can't do that today uh, since we've been here. But I have no clue. I have no clue. But I will tell you that you did worship. Again, I don't know if you raised your hands. I don't know if you clapped. I don't know if you stood. I have no idea if you sang. But no matter what, I guarantee you that you worshiped. 
And the Bible calls us to worship God in spirit and in truth. We all worshiped. It is possible that you sang and you clapped and you stood but not really worshiped. Does that make sense? Again, it's our identity. You didn't, you didn't sing and you, maybe your heart wasn't where it needed to be. And you failed or we failed to recognize our identity. And so we don't know what we did. So again, we, we want to broaden our understanding of, of what is worship. Is it just singing and standing and, and clapping and, and lifting our hands? Or is it more? So I would say that it is our identity. It's who we are. It's who we are. And so on Mondays, we are worshipers. On Tuesday, we are worshipers. And the rest of the week, we worship. We worship every day. And I would, I would even say that we worship every moment. So really, our identity is that I am a worshiper and you are a worshiper. Again, let's not confuse activity with identity. And so I would say also that worship is more about who we are than what we do. We were made in the image of God, and we were made to be worshipers. You cannot say there are some worshipers in the church and there are some non-worshipers in the church. That is a false statement. We're all worshipers. So I'm building up, like, what do you mean? So if I just sat here quietly, yes, we're all worshipers. We all are made in the image of God, and we all worshiped. I have no idea what the physical activity looked like as I face forward, but we all did it. One time um, I went to a party, and if you ever have the chance to see a video by Brian Regan, and it's called The Me Monster. Raise your hand if you've ever seen the video of The Me Monster. It is hilarious. Uh, it's about a, a party that someone goes to, and he makes the mistake of talking about having one wis- wisdom tooth pulled, or was it two? And he talks about that inevitably, if you talk about wisdom teeth, somebody else will come in and swoop in and say that your two wisdom story ain't nothing because he has a three wisdom tooth story. You understand? He's a one-upper. And so usually the, the comment is like, that ain't nothing. Now, back in the day, in, in the early 90s and uh, early 2000s, apparently I used to do that. And so uh, my friend Jer, uh, Justin Boyd and I, he would share a story, but I wasn't really listening. I was waiting to one-up his story and vice versa. He was ready to one-up my story. And so I want us to maybe get a better concept of what uh, worship really is. And let's just play with me. If you could, just use your imagination. You were all invited to a party. All of you were invited to a party. And some of you um, will be excited about being that, getting that invite, and some of you won't. Again, my premise is that we're all worshipers. So you have one person who, who gets ready and he can't wait to get to the party because he can't wait for people to hear him say or her say something. Now, um, my niece is here. Is Lauren here? She slipped out. Good. Uh, my, my dad can be that person. Where he likes to ask questions, but he's, he's, he has no concern whether you know the answer. It's really about him giving you the answer. And so he loves parties that he can be a part of and become the focus of attention. I'm going to use my father as an example. I love my dad, and he sacrificed for me. He traversed the Pacific Ocean for me. He came to the United States for me, so I love him. 
But one time at a, my, my niece's wedding, he literally stopped the whole reception so they could put the attention on him. And he shared a joke that had nothing to do with the wedding. I literally just bowed my head like, oh, no. I said, I'm so glad I'm not in charge of this wedding. So people like him, and that's, I'm using an extreme example. They just love parties because they get to be a part of the center of attention. But then there's other types of partygoers who get the invite but not necessarily too excited about it. And so maybe they come into the room and they kind of hide in the corner and they pray to God that they don't have to talk to anybody. Any amens in here? They prefer not to talk to anyone. They, you know, they just, they went because, you know, someone encouraged them to go or they went because their spouse told them to go. Uh, but they would prefer not to talk to anybody. And so, again, I just told you a few seconds ago that we're all worshipers and we all worship every single day. We worship at work. We worship at school or at home. We're all worship. We worship here in this facility, but we all are worshipers. And so there's, um, what's going on in that little party is that we all worship, I would say, and we struggle if we're not, a, if we're not careful, we're all really worshiping our nature, our, and I would say our carnal nature. I don't mean sinful nature, but our carnal nature. We do what we want to do. We, and I'm going to talk to you here in a second about Romans chapter 1. We do what we want to do. And that's very, we must be self-aware that we're all worshipers. So no matter the circumstances, the situation you're in, we are all worshipers. Now, at that party, you didn't dress up, you didn't wear a coat, you didn't put on your, your Sunday best, but you worshiped. That person was worshiping at the party. They were worshiping, I would say, the carnal nature. They determined what was the right action to do. I always joke around there are people, and this is not a temperament, personalities uh, message, but I always tell people that, are, you know, the, um, the sanguines are the persons you hear before you see them. You know, you, you could hear them coming through the door, but you haven't seen them yet, but you hear them. And then the other ones, that you, they were there at the party, and you never knew they were there. And so that's the two extremes. But there are times where I've told people who are really outgoing, you know, the life of the party, have you heard from the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit might be asking you to tone it down. And maybe sit in a corner and just talk to one person. And the Holy Spirit could be talking to that person who's, who's, you know, tends to be an introvert, high introvert, coming in and to a party, doesn't really want to be there. And say, the Holy Spirit could be saying, hey, I want you to meet as many people as you possibly can. But typically what happens, typically what happens, and Romans is going to tell us, is that we pick and choose what we really want to do. You know, the word heresy or heretic, has a, it's closely related to someone who teaches partial truth. 
partial truth. The Samaritans were considered heretics because they only taught partial truth and they ignored the other truth. Many years ago, we had a student in our ministry who went to England to study abroad. He was there for six weeks. And then next thing we, we know is that we got a text from his parents, a phone call, and they were scared because their son told their parent, his parents that he wasn't coming back, that he, would, he has already relinquished his four-year degree uh, scholarship at Florida State, and he is not coming back home. His parents asked me to fly over to London and try to convince him to come back home. And so they did that. Now, they made a mistake. They flew me first class. And once you fly first class, you now know what it feels like. And that's not a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, and so... Uh, so I got to London, and uh, I, can you believe I ran into him? I ran into We didn't know where he was. We were just kind of guessing he was on the north part of London. And we spent the whole day looking for him, and we couldn't find him. And we, we were literally going back to our place. I was with a local missionary from, who was from the States but was living in London, and I brought another friend who used to live in London. So there was three of us looking for, for this person. We couldn't find him, and then... Uh, we, we did at a bus stop, at a random bus stop. And there he was. And within six weeks, he acted like he, you know, I'd known him for two and a half years. He acted like he hardly knew me. Anyway, we go to his apartment. I asked him, can we go to your apartment and meet your, your group? And we went to his group, and we had this conversation. And I was trying to see, are they really Christians? And everything they said seemed to align with truth. But I knew there was something not right. They call themselves the Christians. Anyway, so I said, Ben, we've got to go. It's late. Actually, they asked us to leave. And so I said, can I meet with you the next morning? And he said, yes, just one-on-one. -on -one. And when we went back to that part of London, his whole group was gone. They literally moved out in the middle of the night, their neighbors told us. Why am I telling you this story? We couldn't pinpoint what this group's error was. But we knew that something, the fruit was not healthy. And so a month later, I, I've already been back to, back to the United States. A month later, I get an email from a girl. She goes, hey, Pastor Mario, you don't know who I am, but I was in that room. There was about 15 people in that room. And I heard what you had to say, and I realized I was in a cult. So I called my sister. And while the group was ready to leave for the night, they were leaving town, I called my sister and my brother, and they came, and I was able to leave. So I asked her for some insight, and she says, they don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe that Jesus had to die for our sins. I had no clue. That was what we would call a group of heresy. They preach a lot of truth, but they don't preach the whole truth. They pick and choose. And we need to be careful as worshipers that we don't pick and choose when to worship. I'll have a, I have a small confession that I'd like to share with you that yesterday 
Um, and, and if you're here long enough in our church, you know that um, I'm not a perfect husband or I am a perfect father, not a perfect husband. And so, so yesterday, Robin and I, and I had a um, little squabble. I was just waiting for a, a ha from downstairs. <laughs> uh, I, I, I did not worship yesterday. I did not worship yesterday. I chose not to. I was acting in my carnal nature. Look what it says in Colossians chapter 3. This is the, the literal version. And whatever you do, you do it out from your soul as to the Lord and not to men. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to worship God, but I worshiped the carnal nature. Colossians, same uh, New Living Translation, work willing, willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. My favorite, the message, uh, Colossians chapter 3, 23, servants, do what you were told by your... Do what you're told by your earthly masters, and don't just do the minimum that you will get by. Do your best. So you're working for someone, and God's calling us to worship him by doing our best. Work from the heart, for your real master is God. Confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're worshiping is Christ. The sullen, wishy-washy servant does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. Yesterday was bad work on my, my part. So what we do is we exchange. We are, in a sense, and maybe you struggle with me, part-time worshipers. Look what it says in Romans chapter 1. And we're not going to read the whole scripture. Let's go straight to first verse 8. First, I thank God my Jesus, uh, through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you. And he goes on. But look what it says in verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. We read the scripture all the time. All the godliness, godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their carnal nature. So think of that group in London. They were suppressing the truth so that they can pick and choose how they worship God. In verse 19, since what may be known about God is plain to them, these are people who are far from God. I mean, they're not really believers. They're saying they don't have an excuse because everything really is plain to them. So I'm thinking as believers, as followers of Jesus, it should be really plain to us. Last night at a soccer game I was at, uh, we had two ladies next to me that could not stop chatting. And they were chatting about everything but the game. Eric was next to me, and it was driving me nuts. So I reached, so it's like, can you believe these ladies are chatting? And he's like, thanks. I didn't even, I, he, he didn't hear them chatter. 
But now that I mentioned it, that's all he could hear as well. So I ruined it for him. So Paul is saying that it's so obvious they don't see it. It has been made plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So it's been made to those who don't really know God. So plain, they don't have an excuse. What do you think it means to us? We don't have an excuse either. That God's handiwork is so obvious And a lot of times we fail as believers to see it because we have misunderstood where our identity, who we really are. We are worshipers. So this morning, I have no clue what happened behind me, but we all worshiped. Look what it says here as we keep on reading. For although they knew God... They did not glorify him, nor did they give thanks to him. Ouch. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him or give thanks to him. But in their thinking became futile, and foolish hearts were darkened, although They claim to be wise, and look what they did in verse 23. Okay, we're all worshipers, right? We're either going to worship God or our carnal nature. And what these people did is they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images to look like mortal human beings and other things. They worshiped. But they chose to worship human beings themselves. And then it goes on to say uh, birds and animals and reptiles. They worshiped themselves in their carnal nature. They exchanged. Dr. Christopher, uh, Dr. Christopher and Dr. Heidi were both in Germany, and um, they had exchanged some American dollars for euros. They made an exchange. One currency for another. So the question I have for us this morning, did we worship God? Did we worship him and give thanks to him that was so plain if we just opened our eyes? Or did we worship and they made an exchange for another type of currency, the carnal nature? I don't feel so good. Or uh, whatever reasons. Again, we are worshipers. We're all worshipers. Some people worship their carnal nature, and some people worship the living God. So today, um, I'm going to ask Bryce to come up here in a second. We're just going to spend a few, and by yourself, and just we're going to just ask the Lord to reveal things to us. One of the biggest challenges in our own lives, in my life, and this is where I was living in carnal nature yesterday is that my wife says, can you not see it? 
And I said to her, Mel, I see it in you, but I don't see it in me. And so, and that was the nice way of saying it. <laughs> so I was in my carnal nature is fail to see the truth. Fail to see the truth. I want to worship God in spirit and in truth. It's because who I it's who I am. And I don't want to fall prey to this group that made an exchange. They made an exchange to worship an immortal God for the images that look like mortal human beings. And I would say self. Let's go back to our little party as we're almost through here. When we, it doesn't matter what it is. Are we worshiping God? Are we worshiping our temperament? Are we worshiping the, the, the little truth that we think we know? Are we failing to see the, the, the obvious things that God has, has done for us and, and we fail to give him thanks? The party is a great example of where we can honor God by submitting ourselves to him, to worship him, to worship him. Maybe somebody, like I already mentioned, maybe that outgoing person needed to calm down and just talk to one person and just really spend time with that person. Maybe God is calling that, that person who, who tends to be more of an introvert to say, step out. Don't worship that. Worship me. And I'm more concerned about how that person is doing, and you can be a catalyst you can be a conduit of my grace if you worship me and step out of those things that you normally worship, the carnal nature. And I do it all the time. Yesterday, I should have worshiped God and not my carnal nature. Are you aware of your our shortcomings? So when I use the example of worship wars, it's not the style of music. That's so petty. It's mind-boggling. We're worship, we have worship wars right now. I'm going to ask Bryce to come up here in a second. I want us to just, I'm not going to ask you to respond to the front or anything like that, but I want to ask us to, who are you worshiping? Who's winning the worship war in your life? We've been given the Holy Spirit. One thing I recognize is that we can't win this war by ourselves. We need Jesus. And unless we recognize that, we, we sang a song about repentance, didn't we? One of the songs mentions the word repentance. You remember? It, it was on there. You have to be aware in order to repent. If you're not aware, then you're not going to repent. So I'm just going to ask the Lord to make us more aware. Who's winning that worship war in our lives? We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.